0: If you'll put our four-point slide up today, we are uh, going to unpack the idea of legacy. Jesus told us to make disciples. This is our disciple-making strategy here at Four Points Church. It starts with love. What God does, uh, he sent his son. He lived the perfect life. He died in our place for our sins. He rose conquering sin, death, hell, and the grave. He's done all this for us. His work saves us. Amen? So we gather together and remember and proclaim this beautiful gospel so that God will continue to interrupt people's lives and move us to devotion. Devotion is when God shows up, we hear his gospel, he he becomes alive in our reality, in our heart, and in our mind, and we say, yes, Lord, I give you everything, what do you want from me? We devote ourselves to him, God loves us, we love God back, he first loved us, we love him in return, so we, uh, how do we love him? by studying his word together in fellowship uh, uh, with with other men and women, being known and knowing others as we go to the Lord and, and iron sharpens iron. That's our devotion piece, which moves us. When you read this book, you can't stay the same. This book's like a fire that gets shut up in your bones. You've got to do something with it, which leads us to passion, God loves us, we love God, we love others. All those one another verses in the Bible, we begin to live that out as we serve and love and bless one another. But then that leads us to legacy. Mature organisms are able to reproduce themselves. This is the fun part. This is where we see God take our faithfulness. We've heard the gospel. We've believed the gospel. We've given our hearts, minds, and, and souls to the Lord. And we're serving him as best we can. That's called faithfulness. Legacy is when we, we get to see God turn faithfulness into fruitfulness. And this happens throughout the Bible. Think about it. Right? God shows up. To Moses in a burning bush Moses isn't looking for God but God's looking for Moses he, he shows up Moses says I must turn aside and see this great sight he goes to the burning bush and God speaks so what does Moses do he devotes himself he takes off his shoes what do you want Lord you are, you are God I am not what do you need what do you have for me to do I will listen to your voice speak to me burning bush. Moses says, yes, Lord. Let go to Pharaoh. Impossible ask, right? I mean, this is a big ask for Moses. Go to Pharaoh where you're wanted as a murderer. Go to where you're uh, hot off the land from and tell him to let my people go. Let, Let my entire workforce go. Pharaoh's workforce. So Moses Oh, I don't think this is going to work. And remember, because some of you in this room, you're like, yeah, you know, passion teams. We got got seven passion cards last week. We need about, oh, 50, give or take a few more. (laughs) Sometimes we don't want to do what God says, but devotion always leads to passion. After five different excuses, you remember the excuses Moses gave God? "Ah, You know, I don't speak so good. I'm probably not the right person for this. His last excuse was, just in somebody else. <laughs> How many of you have been there? You've said to God, ah, just in somebody else. But eventually Moses says, I will do what you say, and he moves into passion. He goes with his staff and he says, Pharaoh, let my people go. And what is the result? God shows up. Moses says yes and devotes himself. He does. He moves into passion and does what God tells him to do. And what is the result? Salvation for God's people. Same thing happened. You you take any biblical character, Noah. God shows up, speaks to Noah. Noah says, Yes, Lord, your servant's here. What do you want me to do? That's love into devotion. Devotion leads to passion. Build an ark. say, well, now, build me a boat. (laughs) Do you know what took somewhere between 70 and 100 years for Noah and his sons to build the ark? Right, a life, one of our lifetimes of just work, 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 passion, serving the Lord, doing what he says. But what was the end result? Salvation. The salvation of humanity on planet Earth from the wrath of God through the flood. You go into the New Testament, it's the same story over and over and over again. It's our story today, still. James, John, Peter, they're not looking for God. But Jesus comes walking up on the beach, and what does he do? Love, follow me. You guys out there in the boat, follow me. Come after me. I want you. Come to me. So what do they do? Devotion. They drop their nets. Right. There's a great book by a guy named Joseph Stoll called Following Jesus. It was written 20 years ago. It was formational for me uh, when I was a young Christian man. They dropping their nets signified. I mean, that was their livelihood. Everything they knew was tied up in those nets. It was their family business. When Jesus comes along and says, follow me, their devotion, they left their father sitting in the boat. They dropped it. They left everything they knew. The way they put food on the table for their families, they dropped and followed Jesus. Right, and and in following Jesus, Jesus sent them out two by two. Man, they were working for Jesus, sweating blood on the ground for Jesus. And what what does that lead to? The beginning of the church of Jesus Christ. Right, right. The proclamation of salvation unto all nations came through. These men who followed Jesus and dropped their nets and did the work that Jesus called them to do. So it is for you and I today. Now remember, you've heard me say this quote before, but we all end up somewhere. How many of you know we're all going to end up somewhere But some of us are going to end up there on purpose. Amen? God has called us. We have the same formula, the same gospel formula that Noah, Moses, Peter, James, John, Paul, David, Solomon, you name it. It's the same process. If we are faithful to what the Lord has called us to do, there will be a legacy that we leave behind. What do you want to leave behind? We live in a country where there is a church on every corner, almost empty. So much real estate purchased by the people of God in their generation that didn't translate into fruitfulness. I'm still trying to figure out a a way to leverage all that real estate that God's people have bought for the kingdom But people, you know, control. There's four people left in the church. And I don't know, this is our church. Right? If we do things God's way, that will never be our story. If we do things God's way, we are faithful to him. Fruitfulness will be our legacy. God will continue to work our, you know, we all stand on the shoulders of all those who have come before us. We're not in a, we didn't just show up one day and say, hey, let's be a church in Ackworth or in Cartersville or in Kennesaw. No, we are standing on the shoulders of all the faithful men and women of God who have come before us who have planted churches, who have written books, who have uh, started seminaries, who have become martyrs for the faith. We stand on the shoulders of of the apostles. We stand on the shoulders of early church fathers like Clement and Polycarp and Ignatius. I mean, men who gave their lives uh, for the Lord Jesus, Papias, uh, the the famous African bishop, Augustine of Hippo, who probably has influenced Christianity uh, uh, more than anyone else other than the apostle Paul himself we stand on the these faithful brothers shoulders. Athanasius right the famous saying is Athanasius mundum, Athanasius against the world everybody was against him but he stood faithful for Christ and and here we are standing on the shoulders of faithful men and women Throughout, throughout the the, the medieval the dark ages, the medieval period, throughout the Reformation period, Martin Luther, John Calvin, Ulrich Swingley, John Knox. You and I didn't get here on our own. Faithful men and women have paved the road to fruitfulness with their lives, with their sweat, with their blood, and now it's our turn. Why do we care so much about this? Why do we do this every January? Because you need to know God is real and still interrupting people's lives. The gospel is as true today as it was for Papias. It's as true today as it was for Martin Luther. It's worth giving your life for. It's, It's worth us doing everything we can, spending every dollar we can, for the work of the kingdom of God in this world, wherever it may be. I'm working up a sweat already. Sweat for Jesus. (laughs) This is important. If we get this right, right? If we stay close to Jesus, if we stay close to his gospel, if we proclaim it as his church, as our forefathers and foremothers have done, then we will see, for we will not be the church that's just another church with, with 10 old folks that remember the good old days. You remember when God was moving in here? Right? God doesn't stop moving on planet Earth. We just stop paying attention. We just take our hands off the plow and we get tired. That's when you see a dying church, that's what has happened. They stopped. They, just, they ran out of steam. May that not be our story. May we be faithful right now with this breath that we have, this time that we have with the gospel so that our children, when we are dead and gone, our children know and take up that mantle and take up that, that banner and continue the work of the Lord after us. May Four Points Church, whatever it is, names don't matter. Maybe they change the name. Maybe our kids get in here and say, Four Points is dumb. That's a dumb name. <laughs> Listen, this is important because I, I've tried to pastor some churches before I planted this church. Right? One of the churches I went in, I've had all the, it was a paid-for building. I had all these hopes and dreams as a young man. We're going to reach the city, Woo! One of them was right downtown, Omaha, Nebraska. If you ever fly into Omaha and you come out the front doors of the airport, right across the street, you'll see a church Parkway Church. I pastored that church for about six months. Then I realized God ain't gonna do nothing here. <laughs> right? Because, and, and the neighborhoods being built, I mean, it was just an incredible opportunity for ministry. But there's about 15 people. In that church, and I, I made some suggestions about, hey, you know these wood pews? Maybe we could get some chairs, make it more comfortable for visitors. Because Sarah and I, every Saturday, we were out knocking on doors, all the, come to church, come. to we, We're the new pastor of this church. Come to church. Maybe, or, or if if not chairs, maybe we could just get some some pad for the wood, right? I mean, it's not 1947 anymore. We don't have to suffer. No, 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 no. My granddaddy bought these pews. My God, if they're good enough for my granddaddy. They're good enough for these hot shot downtown Omahaians. All right, people get stuck. People forget the mission. People forget how to be faithful to reach the next generations. That's what legacy is it's us. Not saying this is the way we do it forever, but it's us passing on the gospel and letting new generations take that gospel and, and make it their own and reach their own generations in this continual process that has been happening since Christ and will continue to happen till the second coming. Not every church gets to be a part of it for the long haul, but I want us to, amen? How do we do it? Faithfulness. Faithfulness turns to fruitfulness. If you go to Joshua chapter 1, we hadn't even prayed yet. Lord Jesus, I honor your name. And I invoke your name as we pray to Father God, Yahweh, God of all things, whose will is being unfolded in the world. Oh, in the name of your son Jesus, I pray you help us. Help us not lose sight of what's important. God, help us not fall into the traps that we as people so so commonly fall into. May we be open to the leading and guiding of your Holy Spirit, not committed to, to our ways, but open to what you are doing in the world that we may be part and that we may pass on your gospel ways. ...to those who come after us. It is in Jesus' name, every Christian said. Amen. Joshua chapter 1. Here's what we're going to see. We're going to do Joshua chapter 1. Then we're going to go to Joshua chapter 24. And we're going to see this generational passing of the torch. Because God's kingdom is for... God's gospel is advancing on all nations. right? He's doing something in the world. Faithfulness will bring us in to the fruitfulness of his kingdom... after the death of Moses, right? Moses is kind of a big deal. Now, I was planning on just reading this and not preaching through it because we we got a lot to do. I got to talk about membership. I got to talk about church planning. I got to talk about kids' ministry. But Moses is a big deal. I mean, in Jesus' day, they're still talking about Moses. Moses was the guy he wasn't smarter than anybody else, but he's the guy that God tapped and picked and spoke to to write down what we call the Torah, the law, the first five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, the, 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 the hallmark of Judaism still today. He's a big, Moses is a big deal, but Moses, like each and every one of us, is going to die, all right? Only two, Enoch and Elijah, They're the only two in the Old Testament that didn't die of natural causes, but were taken up, called up into heaven. That's why many people believe Revelation, the two witnesses, uh, are are going to be those two, because they never experienced natural death. Boy, I'm getting off track. (laughs) But Moses dies like we're all going to die. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun. Moses' assistant Joshua had been there the whole as a young man. He got to sit beside Moses. He got to watch Moses. He got to see all the times the people wanted to stone Moses and kill Moses. You know what? You know what? You're not going to find this definition of leadership in any book that I've ever read. But let me give you my definition of we'll call it spiritual leadership from the life of Moses. Leadership for the Lord Jesus is leading people where they do not want to go. <laughs> Just appreciate that for a moment. Some of you are like, ah, Brian, I love this church, but I ain't joining a small group. It's my job. My job is to lead you where you do not want to go. Just like God's people, they're, they're talking about going back to Egypt. Throughout Moses' entire ministry, I remember the leeks and the onions. The things were so great back when we were making bricks for Pharaoh as slaves. When God's got this promised land, Joshua saw it all. Saw Moses deal with it all. Moses, God speaks, verse 2, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise. Go over the Jordan, you and all this people. Remember, they were on the edge of the promised land. And they'd been here before. You remember the 12 spies that were sent into the promised land 40 years prior. 12 spies. Joshua was one of those spies. They went into the land and uh, they came back to report to God's people and to Moses. And 10 of them said, we can't do this. There's no way. The people are giants. They're strong. There's no way we're going into this land. Only Joshua and Caleb, good spies, who said, Yes, we can. We can do this. God has given us the land. Doesn't matter if they're powerful, doesn't matter what obstacles we face, we can do this but they believed the spies with a negative report and 40 years they wandered in the wilderness. Here's what unfaithfulness will do for you. 40 years in the wilderness till that entire generation of unbelief passed away. And a new generation was now present that could even Moses himself wasn't able to go into the promised land. But now Joshua in a new generation, which this is our church, man, new wine for for a new skin. That's what what, who we have been for, the gospel uh, in, in this culture, in this context. America in the 21st century. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise. Go, it's time. Go over the Jordan you and all this people into the land that I am giving to them. I've already promised it. It's theirs. They haven't possessed it yet, but it's theirs. It's just like you and I, heaven is our home. We are already seated with Christ, Ephesians says. We're not yet, but positionally, we're already, it's already belong, it are, heaven already belongs to us as God's people. Go over the Jordan, you and all this people into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you just as I promised to Moses. Right? See, God's promises aren't just for one generation. They're, they're, for, they're, they're for, for all generations on the face of the earth. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. He's speaking to Joshua, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. Jesus repeats this command in the New Testament to us, New Testament Christians, men and women of his gathered people, his church, that that the gates of hell will not prevail against. As God was with Moses, he was with Joshua. As he is with us. Man, feel it. I know the cultural pressures are heavy in this day and age. But as God has always been with his people, so will he always be with his people until his second coming? We have nothing to fear. Except for maybe your YouTube channel getting canceled. Just start a new one. Verse 5, no, verse 6. Be strong and courageous. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, has commanded you. Right, now listen, he doesn't just say, be strong, courageous, go out and do whatever you want. No, be strong, courage. God is with you. Just be careful to stick to what God says. Listen to me. We're not perfect. No church is perfect. But I hope you appreciate how hard we are trying to stick to God's word. In a culture that does not like God's word, in a culture that says that can't be true, we say... You may not like it, but it is God's word, and it is true, and it's true for us, and this is the way we're going to live. This is what we're going to proclaim until the coming of the Lord Jesus. Like it or not, nanny-nanny-boo-boo. (laughs) Got to lighten it up a little bit. Do not turn from the law that God had given Moses. God's words written down. Don't turn from it to the left. Or the right that you may have good success wherever you go. What brings blessing? Doing things God's way. It always has. It always will. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. But you shall meditate on it day and night. So that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. I used to have a youth pastor who used to say, here's your Bible. Chew it up. I always thought that was weird. Chew it up? What, that? what do you mean chew it up? It means get it in you. Chew it. Digest it. May it be a party. So even when you don't have your Bible, God's word's still inside you. It's what it means to meditate day and night. It doesn't say read day and night. It says meditate day and night. You've read. You put it in you so you can meditate on it all the time. This is the devotion piece. Of our four points. That you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. And then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. Let me just say this. Because I just. Somebody in here needs this. Fear. All fear. Is satanic it comes straight from the pit of hell. When you find yourself in a panic, when you find yourself, whatever fear it is, there can be some really irrational fears that, that plague us in our day and age. Fear of rejection, fear, whatever the fear. Fear does not come from the Lord. Faith is what comes from the Lord. Fear is actually putting faith in the enemy. It's what you're doing when you are afraid, when you become paralyzed with fear and you do not act, you do not do the things that that God has called you to do. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Turn to Joshua chapter 24. Joshua chapter 21, we see this generational passing on of faith, passing on of mission. God's mission does not change. As God's New Testament church, we are called to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teaching them everything that came out of the mouth of Jesus. That is what we are to be about. That's why we have this disciple-making process that ends in legacy. Now, check this. Chapter 1, we saw the passing of the baton. Chapter 24 is at the end of the conquest period of Joshua. This is after Joshua has lived a full life of doing a faithful service unto God all the hostilities, all the the blockades, all the, uh, the hindrances, all the blood, all the sweat, all the tears, a life of service unto God. This famous speech Joshua gives comes at the end of his life. This is not some young man beating his shield going, woo, let's go. This is a man who limps, who is old, who has fought, who has seen the horrors of battle. But this is a man who has also, through everything he's been through, has seen the faithfulness of God. And that is what he's passing on to both his children and the people of God themselves. Let's start in verse 14. Joshua speaking, Now therefore fear the Lord... Right, this is a farewell address Joshua is giving. His eyes are growing dark. His time has come, like Moses, right The way of Moses is the way of all of us. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Faithfulness brings fruitfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt. And serve the Lord. There are still some, in spite of all God's done, that are hanging on to the past gods of of past family members, Egyptian gods from across the river, that they've come into a, a new land that God has given them. Put away the old. Verse 15, and... If it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, Yahweh, choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This is Joshua saying... I have been faithful to the Lord and I have seen His faithfulness in my life. He has preserved me, He has protected me, He has made me fruitful and prosperous. As I have followed him and sought him and served him. And it is this that I pass on to my house. It is this that I pass on to my children. There's no greater way to live than to honor and serve the Lord. And that's what my house, after I'm gone, is going to continue to do. And it is this faith that Joshua possesses that inspires the rest of God's people. Then the people answered, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it is the Lord our God who brought us and our fathers up from the land of Egypt. At Joshua's speech, it's for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Right? They begin to remember the faithfulness of God to them. For it is the Lord our God who brought us and our fathers up from the land of Egypt. ...out of the house of slavery... ...and who did those great signs in our sight... ...and preserved us in all the way that we went and among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore, as they remember, as they hear uh, Joshua speaking about faithfulness and passing it on to his family, they're going to serve the Lord. They begin to remember all the promises of God and the faithfulness of God. Therefore, as they remember the Lord who loves them, Therefore we also will serve the Lord for he is our God. There is a recommitment among all the people who are going to be left as Joshua passes on. This is, this is legacy. This is what we want here. A generational passing of the torch. When we die, this thing falls apart. We have done it the wrong way. In your family, If you die as the last Christian in your family, you have done it the wrong way. Faith is to be passed on as we tell the stories of God's faithfulness. Our faith is in his faithfulness. And we pass that on to our children, and they pass it on to their children, and we build generational chains of of fruitfulness by serving the Lord well right now, right now. Today matters. We always think, well, next week and, and then over there. No, right now, today, matters the commitments to the Lord you're making in your mind right now, they matter generationally. What we do for the Lord is not temporary, it's eternal. It's eternal. It's the only thing on planet earth that is eternal. And this is what we put, this is what we put our hands to. This is what we put our minds to. This is what we put our hearts to. Not just for us. Not just blessing now. But blessing on all of our children when we're gone. Blessing on all. You know, John Wesley, who God used in mighty way. He was a real piece of work. Aren't you glad God uses pieces of work? (laughs) Here's one right here he's using. But he prayed for his children's children to seven generations. And if you follow that line, it's, it's pretty amazing how God honored the prayers of that man. Right, there is more at stake than what we... There's more than meets the eye. <laughs> Sorry. I got eight minutes. <laughs> so, forget all those other verses. So how? Brent, how? How can we be part of this thing? How can we leave something when we are gone? How can we leave gospel meat, gospel fruitfulness for children and our children's children? The first thing you can do is you can partner with us. I was gonna read Philippians chapter one, go there in your own time. But God's people are to partner together for the work of the Lord, right? The the body of Christ is one body, but it has many members. There's your member word if that's a problem for you in joining a church. For those of you in this room that would say, Brent, man, I love the four points. I love the meeting together and gospel power and proclamation. I love the devoting of ourselves, giving ourselves to God and studying his word together with other believers. As iron sharpens iron. And I want to, man, this word has done something to me. I want to do something with it. I want to I serve. I want to bless. I want to I help other people. Man, if that's you, lock arms with us. Join the church. Be part of a small group. Join a passion team because it's not just for us. It's for fruitfulness, generational fruitfulness that's going to last beyond us. We need to continue to be a strong, healthy church so that our children will see our love for the Lord That God would use our lives, our work, our training, our teaching in their lives to raise them up. And when He raises them up, listen, I'm not gonna be 90 years old in this pulpit. We're not gonna do that here. There's gonna come a time, and it's probably gonna be a time before we think we're ready to pass the baton. But this is what God's people need to do. Because church, did you know the church can change? The message never changes, but the churches change. Did you know it took a thousand years for the pipe organ to be introduced fully into the church? Now, how many of you were raised Presbyterian or some kind of high church like that? Pipe organ is just part of this thing. This is what we do. But when they first introduced the pipe organ, the people were like, nope, get that thing out of here. That's satanic. That's satanic. That's of the world. You're not bringing that mess in here. It didn't matter that David played the harp and lyres and cymbals. right? There was a time in the church where the music just wasn't happening. It was all antiphonal. Uh, everything about culture changes, and that's okay. The next generation's going to do it a little different than we do. But that's okay. As long as they get the gospel right. Amen? That's our job to pass on. Join this church every year. Look, we're not going to be the Baptist Church with ten thousand names on a roll and nine thousand nine hundred ninety-nine of them are dead. I, I have worked at churches like that. I, I was like, "What is this thing? It's this book with all these names?" I mean, it was started in like eighteen seventy-four, right? <laughs> like, what is this? Oh, that's our roll book. That's our membership. How many of these people are... There's like 250 people in this church. There's just like 10,000 names in here. We're not going to do that. We do an annual renewal of membership every year. Right? We're trying to give you an easy way out if you ever fall out of love with this church. End of every every year. Right? Last month, we purged all membership. And so if you want to be a member of this church this year, if you want to be part of this thing, these four points, making disciples you got to go to the website and renew your membership. For those of you who are renewing, it's really easy. For those of you who are joining for the first time, there's a couple questions we ask you. We want to make sure that, 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 that you agree with our four points and you're going to lock arms with us and move forward because that's what we want to do. Number two, strong families, strong church. Seen through its Membership. Strong families. A strong church builds strong families. And here's how we want to help you. Men and women, it is your responsibility to, Proverbs 22, train your children up in the way they should go. And they shall not depart from it. But we want to help you. We have great staff And the majority of our ministry budget in here goes to our student and kids' ministries because we believe in helping you, assisting. It's not our full responsibility, but we want to help and assist you in training your children in the gospel. Did you know if your kids come for two years uh, into our ministries back here, they will have gone through the entire Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, every major story in Scripture. So think about it if they're here for four years. Right, they get the whole Bible twice. We, we do little uh, resources. This bookmark is important when your kids bring it home. You go to this, there's all kinds of resources for you. I mean, we do everything we can to help you because your children are the next generation and they've got to know the gospel or the church is going to falter. We've got to raise up our children. This is what we put our minds to in when we think of legacy we're thinking of your children and their children. Last but not least, Acts chapter 13. Is that a minute? I'm already past time, I think. Two minutes. But church planting. right? Mature organisms are able to reproduce themselves. We are going to be a church that continues to pl- to raise up, to train, and to send out. By God's grace, Cartersville is doing great. By God's grace, Nick, I think, is preaching his third Sunday over in Kennesaw this morning. Praise God. They're running about. They're doing good. They've already got some visitors. You know, it's a soft launch as they meet in the gun club trying to figure out how, what a church looks like in a gun club. But uh, as they get their foot, they're going to be moving out into the community. But they're already, before they're even out there trying to get people uh, to come in and hear the gospel, they're already getting visitors uh, coming in. Praise God for that work. We are going to be a church that continues to plant churches. And it costs us to do that. Right? It's not free. It's not cheap. It costs us something. It costs us good families that we have to say goodbye to to go and do the work. It costs money. But it's worth every, say, every tear in saying goodbye. It's worth every dollar we spend to continue to do the work. Show that church planning and acts slide real quick. Three slides. They reset my time. You're stuck. <laughs> Three slides I want to show you why this is so important. Because the church has to live on. It's not just about us. It's about God's kingdom moving forward. We get to be part of that. From Acts chapter 13, I was going to read it, where the the church in Antioch, they see God's hand on Barnabas and they see God's hand on Saul, who is Paul. His early name was Saul. They see God's hand on him and the Holy Spirit is speaking to him. We got to send these guys out. They're ready to go. God has a mission for them. And so they pray, they lay hands on him, just like we laid hands on Nick four weeks ago. They laid hands on him and they sent them out. And guess what happened through Barnabas and Paul's first missionary journey? A church gets planted in Pisidia. A church gets planted in Iconium. Everywhere they go, they preach the gospel, people get saved, and a church gets planted in Lystra. A church gets planted in Philippi. A church gets planted in Thessalonica. A church gets planted in Corinth. We just went through 1 Corinthians, and we know all about that church, but churches get planted through the power and proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, not just here, but everywhere we can send people out to go. That's what we want to do. Man, if we end up sitting here, for just 40 people, as long as we have sent all the rest of the people out and they're planting churches, praise the name of the Lord Jesus, amen? I'll have to take a cut in salary if that happens. <laughs> but it's worth it, amen? Look at why plant churches. Uh, number one, this is just some, some Christian men's research. I want you to know why we do this, why we plant campuses. And, and we're talking about our campus strategy right now, and it may not be the best way to move forward from here on out. We might just plant churches. Uh, we'll figure that out in the next three months to a year. Uh, but, uh, but we're going to plant churches. Why? 93% of current American churches are stagnant or in decline. Tom Rainer is one of the, the prime researchers alive today of church studies. 93% church on every corner. Empty. 93% of churches are stagnant. I don't know if you know this, but we are in the top 5% of churches in America today. Our church. I mean, praise God, but that's kind of sad too, right? (laughs) There's more we can do for the gospel. We live in a spiritually dead climate. Man, and the gospel breaks through those barriers. It's worth our time. It's worth our blood. It's worth our sweat. 70% of the people in the U.S. have no meaningful church relationship. 70%. 195 million unchurched people in the U.S. making her the third largest mission field in the English-speaking world and fifth largest globally. We always talk about the mission field. We live in the mission field. And here's the good thing about spiritual darkness. Man, it's just prime. It's prime timber for revival. And we get to, we, are, we get to, man, get excited. We get, to, we get to live, these are extraordinary times that we're living in. We can see God bring a, 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 another great awakening into a spiritually dead country. Look at slide two, and then we'll be done, I promise. Research, Ed Stetzer, research proves that new churches reach more unchurched people than existing churches. Why plant churches? Because people need Jesus The single most effective evangelistic methodology under heaven is planting new churches. And it is the biblical model. And who cares what these guys say, right? Who cares about the research? Bottom line, it's the biblical model and demonstrated by the early church. This is who we are. Love. God loved us. We did nothing. He came all the way to where we're at. He lived the perfect life. He died in our place. He rose conquering sin, death, hell, and the grave. Our salvation is certain because of the person and work of Jesus Christ. So why wouldn't we devote ourselves to him? Give him everything we have. Hang on every word that comes out of his mouth as we lock arms together, moving forward into passion, serving. This word causes us to burn and serve one another, which through all that, through his faithfulness, by his Holy Spirit, through our faithfulness, the legacy of the gospel will live on long past When we are dead and in the grave, as God was with Moses, so he is with us. So he will be with our children and our children's children. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Father, and as ushers come and as we prepare our hearts for communion, Lord Jesus, may we reflect on this message. May we reflect on our place within this message. Lord Jesus, I pray you strengthen fathers. I pray you strengthen mothers. Father, build strong families. And may those strong families build a strong church. And may a strong church plant more strong churches anywhere and everywhere that you would, you would lead us and take us and resource us to do. Lord Jesus, it is all for your name and your glory. Amen.